Mate, you caught me off guard. I was having a good chat down the front here, and then suddenly I'm up on the platform. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. Oh, I can see you now. Far out. The light of heaven just shone in the room. Uh, you're well. It's so good to be here at One Heart Church today. Uh, it's awesome to be back. I don't know. When, do, when was I last here, Josh? Was it a year ago? Not even that. Um, so it's great to be back with you guys today and uh, love your church. Love the San Stefano family. Who loves those guys? It's awesome. I've been staying at uh, Hotel Santo Stefano last couple of days uh, with my family. Uh, my wife, Hannah, is actually here. I think she's out the back looking after my little, my little boy. He's six months old. I don't, I don't think I had a son the last time I was here. So he's six months old. I call him my little double portion. He is, if you see him afterwards, he is so fat. He is the fattest little chubber you ever see in your life. Um, he's actually answering as much to the name Chunky as he does to the name Gabriel, which is his name, because he just gets called it so much. He's just got rolls upon rolls upon rolls. He's the cutest little thing. Uh, so, so I am a new dad, and my wife is a new mum. So we've been learning how that whole thing works for the last six months. It's crazy. Who knows? Parenthood is crazy. Like this thing called sleep becomes a myth, and then you know you just kind of figure out. Uh, you know, how to, how to function with no sleep. Uh, he's, been, he's been pretty good though. Last few months, he's kind of learned how to sleep, which has been awesome. First couple of months was just horrific. You just live off Red Bull and coffee and every kind of caffeinated device you have. And, uh, and uh, I used to have a severe phobia of nappies and poo and that just goes out the window because you're just covered in the stuff every day and, and, uh, and, and vomit. He only likes to vomit on me. I don't know why, but it's just me. He never vomits on his mum. But every time, every Sunday morning I'm holding him, I'm walking out the door, he vomits on my shirt before I'm about to preach. He knows. So, uh, so it's crazy, but we're having fun with the journey of it all. It's awesome. And uh, I'm, my wife says hi as well, I'm assuming, wherever she is. Uh, I was going to get him up, but he's probably asleep. So anyway, that's okay. Hey, so good to be here with you guys today. I, I'm coming with a word, expectant for God to do something great in the house today. Uh, this isn't something we're just going to, you're not just going to endure church today. You're going to enjoy church today, right? We're not here to just endure and get through, but I just believe God has a word for you today, a word in season. Uh, I've been praying. I, I just have this word on my heart for you guys today and believing that God's going to do something great with it. So you might have to pray before we start and just believe that God's going to speak to us today. Father, we just thank you today for your goodness. We thank you today for your grace, Lord. I thank you for the words of that song, Lord, that we are children of God today, that we are who you say we are. And Lord, everything that you have for us today, Lord, it is a good thing that you have to do in our lives today. I pray that we just receive it in Jesus' name. I pray that there be no barrier between your word and our hearts today. Lord, nothing that I say is amazing, is powerful, but when your spirit, when your power comes upon it, Lord, anything is possible today. And so I pray, let your power come upon my preaching today. Let your power come upon this word today. And I pray, Lord, that it would transform us from the inside out in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, uh, who remembers their first date? There's probably some single people in the house today, but who, who remembers your first date? Put your hand up. Who was, who was nervous on their first date? Who was, uh, who was freaking out? I remember my first date. It was one of the most scary experiences of my life. It was my first real date with my wife, Hannah. And uh, we grew up together, okay? We were in a kid's band, a kid's worship band called History Makers, right? When, when I was like 10 years old uh, together, we did not make history. But 
but we were in a worship band together. We grew up all through church, and her mum said to Hannah when she was about kind of 14 that she was going to end up marrying me, and Hannah said, there is no one in the world I would like to marry less than Sam Long. Um, but her mum was right, right? Who knows? Mum's always right. So anyway, she, she went around traveling for a few years when we left high school, so we didn't see each other. But when she came back uh, from traveling with this band, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's not the girl I grew up with. <laughs> Something has changed, right? And she walked in and she's looking at me and she's thinking the same thing. So sparks are flying. And eventually uh, I built up the courage to ask her out on our first date. And I remember rolling up to uh, her house. The worst thing was is that she was living with my senior pastors, which is even worse. Like, as if the first date isn't scary enough, picking your date up from your senior pastor's house, even worse, right? So, so we roll up and I remember uh, going to the door, knocking on the door and she comes out. She's wearing this black dress. She's got red lipstick on. Her hair's all done. I'm like freaking out. You know when you just lose control of your lips? <laughs> so, so I'm freaking out and I'm trying to like think of conversation. And I'm shaking and we're walking uh, to the car and, and I, I wanted to take her out to a French restaurant because I figured French is romantic, right? That's just what I'd heard, right? That's what I'd seen in the movie. So I think we'll go to a French restaurant. So, uh, so we get in the car and, uh, and, and so I, I walk around the car, I'm getting ready to go and I, I sit down uh, in the seat. But the problem was, is that I was so nervous that I sat in the passenger seat rather than the driver's seat and I put my hands out to grab the steering wheel and it wasn't until I realized there was nothing there that I realized I was sitting in the wrong seat and she's standing out there waiting for me to move, right? So it's terrible. You know you do weird things when you're nervous? Does anyone else do weird, clumsy, crazy things when you're nervous? You just get kind of out of control. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard this saying before. Who's ever heard the saying, sit down, you're making me nervous? Have you ever heard that before? Sit down, you're making me nervous. Um, I want to call my message today, sit down, you're making me nervous, right? Sit down, you're making me nervous. Uh, there's something about, right, when someone comes over to your house and, and maybe they've walked in the door, maybe it's the first time that you've hung out together or, or you haven't, you're not real close friends yet, there's that kind of awkward moment where someone comes into your house and, and they're kind of standing there by the bench and they don't, well, they don't know you well enough to raid your fridge yet, you know? They don't know you well enough to go and sit down on the couch yet. And so they stand there and they hover, right, around the, the counter waiting for you to invite them to sit down. And they stand there and they look awkward. They stand there and they're not sure what to do, right? So you end up saying something like this, sit down, you're making me nervous. Why do we say that? Because there's something about standing, there's something about pacing, there's something about moving about that doesn't give us the impression of rest. It doesn't give us the impression of comfort. It gives us the impression that there is stress. It gives us the impression that there is nerves. It gives us the impression that perhaps things are not settled yet. So, so we feel uncomfortable until other people in our house are what? Sitting down. Because we know that sitting is a place of comfort, that sitting is a place of rest. Sitting is a place of relaxation, right? But there is nothing more to be done. I want to read this scripture to you today, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, and it speaks to us about the posture of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, when this priest, and it's talking about Jesus, when Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he 
sat down at the right hand of God. When Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus came to earth, God with skin on, God in human flesh, lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we deserve to die for the sins that we have outworked to the world and to God. He comes to earth, he pays for our penalty on the cross, he dies, he is buried and he's raised three days later, he ascends in victory to the Father and then what does he do when he walks into heaven? The Bible says that he what? He sat down. Why is Jesus seated? I want to tell someone today that the reason that Jesus is seated is because he is not nervous. He's not nervous about the outcome of the financial situation you're in right now. He is not nervous about the sickness that you're going through. He is not nervous about the family troubles in your life. Why? Because he knows that he has achieved victory on the cross. So when he went to heaven and he sat down, it's because he is not nervous. You've got to know today that you do not serve a standing God. You've got to know today that you do not serve a pacing God. You serve a God today who is seated in victory. He is ruling and reigning in power. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh my gosh, I love this. He is seated in majesty. He is seated in glory. He is seated in victory. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, last week was a crazy week for us because we... We've been building a house for the last year, and it finally got finished, right? So this is our first real home. We got handed the keys over, the whole thing, uh, moved all our furniture in. And, and one of the most exciting parts of the journey for me, and you realize that you're getting older and lamer when you start finding this stuff exciting, was buying a new lounge, right? I, I am passionate about comfortable lounges, right? There is nothing worse than when your sitting apparatus is not comfortable, right? Because when you go home, right, and you've been working all day, there is one thing that you are looking forward to when you get home, right? You're not thinking, man, I can't wait to get home and stand in my living room. <laughs> You're not thinking that. No, this is what you think to yourself. You're like, man, I want to sit down on that comfy couch, right? I want to sit down on that couch that I have sat down for so long that it now has grooves where my body sits, right? You, who's got a couch like that? There's actually a dip in it where you sit every night, right? You want, you want that comfy couch, right? You, you, why do you do that? Why do you think about that? You think about it because, because it's a reminder of the facts that the work is done. We love this idea of coming home and sitting because we know that when we sit, it's a symbol of the fact that the work for the day is done. Jesus is not only seated because he's not nervous, he is seated because his work is done, right? He is seated 
because his work is final. He is seated because he's done everything that everyone needed to enter his presence, to enter his favor, and to enter his grace. When Jesus finished that work on the cross and he said, it is finished, he wasn't joking. He said, it is finished, and then he what? Sat down because the work was done. You're going to know something today that when it comes to our worship, we are not working to enter the presence of God. We are not striving to enter the presence of God. No, Jesus has done the work. Jesus has done the striving. Jesus has done everything for everyone that we might not have to push into God, but we simply become aware of the fact that we're already in God. The work is already done. We're already in His presence. We're already in His grace. We're already in his favor. Worship is just reminding your soul that the work is already done. When we come to church, we are not coming to church to prove to God that he should bless us. We are not worshiping based on how many words for you today as we have read this week. We are not worshiping based on the work that we have done. We are worshipping based, come on someone, on the work that he has done. A work that is finished, a work that is final, a work that is complete today. Jesus sat down because the work is done. And I want to ask you today, if Jesus is seated, then why are you standing? So often, we think that there is something more we must do to earn his grace to earn his presence, to earn his favor, to earn that healing, to earn that breakthrough, to earn that deliverance. But let me tell you something today, friend, every breakthrough, every healing, God's favor, God's presence, God's blessing has nothing to do with the work that you have done and everything to do with the work that Jesus has done. And that's why you can believe for it. That's why at your worst week may just be the week where God chooses to heal you. (laughs) Your worst week may just be the week where the provision comes because it's a reminder from God that this has got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with how you've lived and what you've done, how many badges of spirituality you have racked up. But it's about Him and what He has done and the work He has finished that He today is seated. And then when we know that he is seated, we can say that line, that's one of my favorite lines to hear at a church service. You may be seated. Oh, nothing rings sweeter in your ears. Who loves that moment where the pastor finally says, you may be seated and you, you just slip your butt right back into that chair and you're like, I've been dreaming of this moment for the last 20 minutes. I love it. You may be seated. I'm joking. Kind of. Me and uh, one of my friends, we we are a little bit competitive when it comes to running. I'm a jogger, so most weeks, except for this week at the Santos Stefano's house, because Paul, Paul, Pauline, Pastor Pauline told me that her goal was to make me fatter by the time I left, so she's just been jamming food down my throat and cooking up a storm for me. But, but most of the time, uh, I love to run, so I, I try and do three or four runs a week, and I love jogging. It's good, for, uh, it's good to stay fit, good to stay healthy. Good to, uh, you know, it's good for my mental health if I'm angry or, or just really ticked off. I'll just go for a run, you know. 
um, and it works real well. Uh, I love running, and, and a few of my other mates at church love running as well, and so we've all got these watches. I'm not wearing it today, but we've all got these watches called Apple Watches, and it's total geek fest. It's, it's the worst-looking watch ever, but, but what it does is it tracks, like, your heartbeat, and it tracks um, your health, and it tracks how many steps you take, right, and it, it tracks it all. But not only does it track yours, but it, it puts you in competition with everyone else who's wearing one around you. So throughout the day, I'll see, it'll give me a notification if one of my friends has steps, more steps than me. Right? And it will give me a notification when they've exercised and I haven't. And so the idea is, is it motivates you not just for getting healthy, but it motivates you to beat other people. And, and most of the time, the reason I'm out there isn't because I want to be healthy. It's just because I want to beat someone, right? So, so sometimes it's enough to get me out there. I was kind of thinking it's funny that you can kind of track your steps against each other. And I was thinking about this. And I was thinking how if, if you, for example, today were wearing like a spiritual pedometer, okay, that was tracking the amount of walking you were doing, right, the amount of pacing you were doing, okay, and Jesus was wearing a spiritual pedometer, do you know who would win every day? You. Because the Bible says that 2,000 years ago, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. And then we read this in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, it talks about what Jesus is still doing. I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father 2,000 years ago, and do you know what he's going to be doing in Revelation in the future? I don't know if you can see it or not, but he is still seated. And I just want to tell someone today that this is good news for you, that your God is still seated. Because if he's still seated, it means that there is nothing that has happened that has made him so nervous that he thought, I better stand up. But there is nothing that has assaulted his throne that has made him think, I better, man, maybe I haven't done enough. There is no situation in your life that has made him think, gee, maybe the cross wasn't enough. Maybe the victory wasn't final. Maybe I better stand up and get back to work. No, he remains seated because he's not nervous. He remains seated because he's not threatened. He remains seated because he knows what you and I ought to know, that his victory is final. His victory is forever. His victory is eternal. His victory is not coming. It has already come. And our life, our worship is reminding our soul that we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory in Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 takes us to a whole nother level. I want to read this to you because it's just so powerful. It says this, for he, it's talking about our father, raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You know, there's a lot of places in Scripture where it's foretelling things, where it's saying this is what is going to happen, right? But this is not one of those Scriptures. Let's look at the tense here. For he raised us. It's already happened. He is not going to raise us. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because what? We are united with Christ. 
In other words, in the spiritual realm of your life, the spiritual posture of your life should never be this. You shouldn't be nervous. You shouldn't be striving. You shouldn't be straining. No, if we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, it means that the spiritual posture of our life every day should be this. That when I go to spend time with God, I'm not trying to prove anything to him. I am simply sitting with him in the place that the Bible says I already am. Perfectly united with him in his victory, in everything that he has won. Bible says that we're seated with him in heavenly realms. You know what I love about that? Heaven is above everything. You know that? Heaven is above everything. Heaven rules. Heaven is above, not below. And it means that if Jesus is seated above everything, it means that everything is under his feet. But if you are seated with him, it also means that everything is under your feet. That the same victory and the same authority that was given to Christ, we also carry with him. That nothing in this life is over you, everything in this life is under you. What the enemy wants to convince you when life comes at you, and when circumstance come at you, and health problems come at you, and financial stress comes at you, what the enemy wants to do is convince you that it's over you. But what the Lord wants to do today is remind you that it's under you. It's under your feet. The victory is won. You're seated with him. Nothing in this life is over you. It's an illusion. It's under your feet. Just come on, as it's under Christ today. We're going to remind ourselves of our position in him. I want you to just turn to the person next to you quickly and just tell them you may be seated. You may be seated. (laughs) You may be seated. You know, I don't know if you ever heard this saying before. I don't know if you ever heard this one. Maybe raise your hand if you ever heard it. Who has ever heard the saying, you've got to stand up for what you believe in? You ever heard that before? You stand up for what you believe in. Who knows sometimes that's true in life? You got to make a stand, right? But you know what I think is also true? I think sometimes you got to sit down for what you believe in. But because, because if there's a bus coming, right, to a bus stop, and I'm standing at that bus stop while there's a seat there, and I'm pacing around, and I'm rubbing my head, and I'm looking up and down the road, what does that say about whether I believe that bus is actually going to come or not? doesn't say a whole lot. But if I'm sitting at that bus stop, if I'm sitting in what I believe in, if I'm rested in it, if I'm not worried about it, if if I truly believe it's coming, what more does that say about my faith? I've got to sit down today for what I believe in. I've actually got to rest in what I believe in today. Right, I, I gotta know that I know that I know in my knower that I know. That victory has been won for me. I, I, I'm gonna sit down for what I believe in. Some of you today, you've been standing for it, you've been striving for it, you've been straining for it. And there's times to fight. Who knows there's times in life to fight? 
We've had some battles to fight in our life over the last couple of years. But let me tell you something today. It is not always a time to fight. Sometimes it is a time to sit. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do, the greatest act of faith you can do, is to stay seated knowing what you know that you know that that bus is coming. Knowing that you know that you're seated with him. You see, I've got three things I'm going to say to you real quickly today. And the first one is this. Standing Christians are focused on pleading, but sitting Christians are focused on believing. There's a difference between pleading with God, begging Him to do something, and believing on God because you know in faith that He's already done it. So your standing Christian is pacing around, they're pleading with God, but a sitting Christian is believing on God because they know that He's faithful. They know that He is good. They know that He's going to come through. You know, here's the thing today. Someone can give you a check for a million dollars, but until you take that check to the bank and cash it in, it isn't nothing. Worship is when we come and we cash in on the riches of Christ and we say, you know what? I believe on what you placed in my hand today. I believe for this healing today. I believe for my family today. I believe for this break through today. I'm taking the riches of Christ, my inheritance in Him to the bank today. I'm not pleading with you, Lord. I'm believing on you, Lord. In Jesus' name. The second one is this. Standing Christians are focused on doing, but sitting Christians are focused on being. Worship isn't about what you have or have not been doing that week. It isn't about what you have or have not been doing in the past or what you will or will not do in the future. It's about who you are in Christ. It's not about doing today. It's about being. It's about being a child of God. It's about being accepted. It's about being loved. It's not about doing today. It's about being. Third one is this. Standing Christians are focused on below while sitting Christians are focused on above. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. See, when you know that you're seated with Him and you know that He is seated, you know that your mind is with Him, your focus is on Him, that His focus is at the right hand of God and you begin to set your mind on those things, it frees your mind of the things that are on the earth. I've heard that, that phrase before. You Don't be so spiritually minded that you're not of any earthly use. Who's heard that one? Right? I love it. I love the heart behind it. But I think sometimes you've got to be spiritually minded. I think sometimes you've got to remind yourself of what's happening in heaven. You've got to remind yourself on the things that are above. You've got to remind yourself of this power and principalities, right? There are forces around you trying to stop you. But there is a Jesus seated at the right hand of heaven who is unstoppable, who is invincible, whose victory today is final. And the word that I have for you today is simply this. I was praying in the worship time today. I felt the Lord just prompting me to say that it's time to break a spirit of fear off of some lives today. A spirit of restlessness that says, God, I'm so afraid of the outcome. God does not want His people living in fear. That's why He's already given you the spoiler. Have you ever heard of a spoiler alert before? A spoiler alert is something that they post on the internet when they're about to tell you how the movie ends. Say, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know how it ends, don't read on anymore. Because I'm about to tell you how the movie ends. I'm about to tell you how the book ends. Here's the thing. God 
is into spoiler alerts. He's already given us one in the Word of God. He tells us who wins. He tells us that it's final. He tells us who is coming back again to take His people to heaven. He tells us that the blood of the Lamb was enough. He tells us that the victory of God will be known on the earth. He tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He tells us that we will go to a place, come on, where there is no weeping and no gnashing of teeth, but a place of joy and a place of delight. Come on, we know how the story ends today and what we're going to do is remind ourselves today that it's not about this, it's about this. Being seated with Him. I've been so moved over the last week just reading the life of Billy Graham and and many of you would have been so affected, you know, by his ministry and by the life that he lived. But the thing that I just can't shake from being impacted by his ministry and impacted by how he lived, his death, his funeral, was his focus on heaven. His focus on not what is going on here, but what is going on there. And knowing that this is simply a vehicle that takes us there. And the crazy thing is, is we don't have to wait until we get there. We can live as if we already are there in our spirit man right now, right here today with a posture that says, I'm seated, I have victory. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. I let go of the stress. I let go of the fear today and I place it in the hands of my seated Savior and believe who he says he is and what he says he's done. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, right where you are, why don't you stand to your feet if you're able today. I want to just pray with some people. Hey, right now, I really felt today that There's some people carrying some heavy burdens, some heavy loads. Who knows that life can be heavy? Who knows that situations come against you to try and convince you that they're over you? I want to pray for some people today. You feel like that situation is above you. And today I just feel like the Lord wants to reveal His power to you, but you might know that it's below you. Some of you today, you've got to start declaring victory over your life and believing God for the things that He's promised you again. You've given up on them today. I just want to encourage you, it's time to start believing again. Whoever you are today, maybe you felt deflated, maybe you felt defeated, maybe you're feeling anxious. If that's you with all our eyes closed, can you lift your hands? I want to pray for you right where you are in your seat. I'm just going to believe right now, wow, wow, for the victory and breakthrough of God just to come upon people all around this place today. If that's you today and you know you need it, just reach out to Him today. You're not reaching out to me, you're reaching out to Jesus today. And there's one thing I know is that He's reaching out right on back. Oh, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, for your very present help in time of need. I thank you today that we are seated with you in heavenly places. I thank you today for your present Spirit of God that can fill a place, that can fill a room, that can fill a life. Father, I pray over every miracle in motion, every miracle that people are waiting for. Father, every stress and every fear today. Lord, I speak faith into this room today. Lord, I speak belief into this room today. Father, would you open heaven over us today in Jesus' name and let your presence come. Let your will be done as we declare your victory over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, let these words become reality to us today. Father, let them sink into every heart. In Jesus' name. Father, I speak over marriages in this room today. Father, marriages, people are believing for breakthrough in their marriage. Father, heavy hearts in relationships today. Lord, I thank you for the restorative promises of healing 
in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for great provision over relationships today. Father, over families today. Father, we speak your promises today. We declare that your promises today are yes and amen. Father, over every wayward child who's left the faith. Father, we pray for them today in Jesus' name and declare that situation, Lord Jesus, is under your feet today and that you are in control. Lord, we declare today that you are in control. Father, we speak today over finances, Father, businesses on the edge of bankruptcy. Father, people who are feeling the strain and not knowing how they're going to pay the next bill. Lord, we thank you that you own the cattle on a thousand hills today. We thank you for the Lord, you are our provider. Lord, we pray today for your provision. We declare today your provision. We declare today the riches of heaven. Father, being released, resources being released, Lord, today all around this place for every person that would need it. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hey, right where you are, if you could just close your eyes and really feel in my heart today just to offer a call today for people who maybe don't know Jesus. I've been talking about this Jesus, this God, this Savior who lived a miraculous life, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And maybe today that you know that you are in a position where you need some saving. Maybe today you know, you understand in your heart you haven't been living close to God, but you've been living away from God. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short. In other words, that there's not a person in this world who is sinless or is blameless. There is not a person in this life who has lived a life that lives up to the perfect standard of God. And because God is just and because God is holy, His justice must be delivered on sinners. But God says today that for every person who would confess that Jesus is Lord, for every person who would confess that they need Him, but they need His forgiveness, for every person who would cling to Him and place their faith in Him, He says that He will forgive them and give them a new life through the cross of Jesus. So today, available for every person who would receive it is a brand new life, an eternal life with Jesus, a life where this life is not your only life, but you go on after you die to live forever with Him in heaven. Today, do you need saving? Do you know that you need Jesus? Do you know that you need to place your trust in Him? If that's you today, I want you to make a decision to follow Him. I want to implore you today to say yes to God, to give your life and your heart to Him and to make a decision to place your faith in Jesus today. So if you know you need to do that, you've been living far from God, you need His forgiveness, you need Jesus to come into your life and make you new. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. And as you do that, I'm going to see you and I'm going to pray for you right where you are and believe that new life starts for you, not tomorrow, but today. So if that's you, why don't you lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Just lift it up now and I want to pray for you. Yep, yep, yep. Wow, anyone else today? Anyone else today? Three people responding to Jesus around this room today. That's so exciting. Anyone else? Anyone else today? Say, Jesus, I need you. I accept you as my saviour. Oh, that's fantastic. Another one there. Another one there. Wow. Wow, wow. Okay, I'm going to pray for you today. Church, would you mind praying this prayer after me? And can we pray this together and celebrate with all the heaven the people who are finding new life in Christ today in Jesus' name. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask you to forgive me today and make me new. I trust you, Jesus, as my Lord and Saviour 
come into my life now and change me forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we just celebrate with heaven today? All those people who made that decision. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I just want to tell you today, each and every person who made that decision, that is the best decision you will ever make in your life. And today can be the start of a new life for you. The Bible says that when you trust Jesus, you are born again. What does that mean? It means that it's as if it's the first day of your life. Let me tell you, I just had a little baby and I saw the first day of his life when he came out, him looking around at the world with wonder, thinking, what in the world is going on? This is so different. Let me tell you, you can have that experience right now today. And if you place your trust in Jesus, that's what's happening. New life, new start, new beginnings for you with a Savior who's done everything for everyone in Jesus' name. Come on, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Let's give him praise today. Over to you, Pastor Josh.